So for those of you that were here last week, you would know that we are in a mini three-week sermon series entitled Prisoners of Hope. There it is on the screen. Um, And Chris looked at Zechariah 9.12, which looked at Prisoners of Hope, and he unpacked that for us, about how we're compelled to have hope in Christ. Indeed, we are prisoners to it, and that we are moved by hope. And he said with that, that we are, you know, with a new year, we have a new vision, right? Every year we have a vision for the year. And last year's vision, as uh, Chris recapped, was coming of age, right? You'll remember that. And Chris looked at four things that really summed up coming of age. I'll look at them very briefly. First, devotion to him, devotion to Christ, forsaking all others, putting Christ at the center and putting ourselves in the center of Christ. Second of all, self-discipline. Bearing our cross, forsaking all others, fleeing from sin and temptation, and instead, what? Putting on clothes of righteousness, guarding our hearts and minds. Thirdly, accountability, holding no secret places, you know, don't touch, but rather fellowship with others, where we minister to each other. No masks, no falseness, but true unity in the spirit. Unity in the spirit. And lastly, integrity. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Matthew 5.37. So there you go, the bit of a sum up of coming of age. So here's the thing. If that was last year, and Chris posed the question, what does this year bring us as God's people here in the St. Albans Vineyard? And you know, as Chris said, it'd be tempting to see this as a year of endings. A year of endings. We've got some things going on. What, the first one, the final phase. Next door, we're going to finally complete the work that God has started as we have enlarged the boundaries of our tent, you know, making space for the kids and youth. You would have seen the kids are in the atrium. And so this final phase is about completing this work. And in fact, you'll see more information outside there as well. What else is happening this year? A 30-year milestone, 30 years that Chris and Fliss and the family faithfully planted this church out of their lounge room, responding to a call on their hearts and on their lives. Prisons of hope. And look at the fruit of that. Look at the fruit. Here we are, a body of believers, worshipping in this place, extending our tent. But you know, the, the thing about milestones is that there's a danger and the temptation to think that the best is behind us. So what's next? And lastly, Chris um, announced that Chris and Fliss, after 30 years of leading this church, and indeed over 40 years in ministry, will be retiring this year in September. And for some of you who may not be here last week, that might be a complete surprise to you. Um, But um, let me just pause on this. You know, Chris and Fliss came to the board a couple of years ago of which, as you know, I'm I'm privileged to serve on, and said they had felt that the Lord prompted them that this was the season for them. And we said, really, you sure you've heard from God? (laughs) But it seems as if they had. Uh, And so this has been in the works for a while. This is not just something that happened. We've been prayerful and planning. We, as Chris said, met many, many, many hours. And Chris used that picture, didn't he, of the four by 400 relay, how we're planning for that really smooth transition when the baton is passed on. And uh, the advertisement goes out uh, for senior pastor uh, later in January, later this month. So I'd ask that you continue to pray, continue to pray, 
Pray for Chris and Fliss in this time of transition. You know, uh, Fliss, bless you, you'll be at September moving on at that point, although they'll be part of this church, but Chris will stay on for a period of transition, as he said. So pray for Chris and Fliss um, and pray for us as a body of believers. Uh, and indeed, you might have some questions. You know, I've obviously had time to process this. Um, funny enough, the directors will be at the involved stand after the service. If you've got any questions, feel free to ask them. Or indeed, you can send an email to the office. Um, go onto the website. There's the, the contact information there as well. And let me just say, there will be a time to properly honour Chris and Phyllis as well during this year, um, as we will do that, which is right and proper. So you would be forgiven, therefore, as Chris said, to see this as a year of endings. But as Chris was spending time in the Lord's presence, he really felt the Lord was saying that this is a year, in fact, of new beginnings, new adventures, new vistas of opportunity, new endeavours in his name. Why? To make Christ known. Make Christ known. And you know, the reality is we should expect new beginnings as believers, shouldn't we? We should expect change. This really shouldn't be a surprise to us. And then Chris did his teaching, and you can listen to it on four things, on healthy things grow. It's a kingdom principle. Growth brings change. We feel it, don't we? It stretches us, enlarges us. And what happens? Change brings challenge. It means we experience times of uncertainty. We feel stretched, maybe hurts and pains that we've had bubble to the surface that the Lord wants to deal with. And what happens? Therefore, challenge turns us to Christ. And when it becomes too much, we realize our reliance on him. We are poor in spirit, as I prayed earlier. This acknowledgement that without him we are nothing and that we need him for all things. And then what happened? Christ brings health. As we allow Christ in, as we abide in the vine, John 15. So we are filled with his strength. And then what happens? Healthy things grow. And it starts all over again. You know, I think this could be summed up, this sums up beautifully in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Paul says to the Corinthian church, we are being transformed into the likeness of Christ from one deg- degree of glory to the next degree of glory. This comes from the Lord. I think that's a perfect way to sum up healthy things grow. We should expect it. And so therefore, I want to focus this morning on my teaching on change and what it means to change and specifically what it means for new beginnings and the place of faith in that. And I'll start by asking you a question this morning. What is your new beginning? What is your new beginning? What is your new chapter this morning? What is calling, what is God calling you to do? And I want to use uh, 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 11 to 12. Turn with me if you will. This will be our kind of anchor text for this morning that I'll be teaching out of to see what it means to have faith as God calls us for new beginnings. Two Thessalonians, it's a very, very small little book in between Philippians and 1 Timothy. It'll be on the screen and indeed, I'm sure you've got your smart device, you can access it there as well. So let me read this. Paul says this, with this in mind, and what he's saying here, the previous verses in in, in the start of chapter one, he was commending them for their growth in faith in spite of in spite of persecutions and trials that they were enduring. So with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and listen, 
Your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what can we learn from this? What does change look like? You know, we announce a year of new beginnings and I think it's easy for us to sit back and think, oh great, wonderful, this is exciting, let's see what happens. As if somehow it just happens. As if somehow we receive it by osmosis. Or maybe that's just me. The truth is, a new beginning starts with you. And you, and you, and you. Not with your partner or your neighbor, not with the person in the row behind you or the person in the row in front of you. New beginnings start with you. God is looking at you this morning. And indeed, isn't New Year's a perfect time for change? The wonderful New Year's resolutions? Who has New Year's resolutions? Wow. I'm glad no one put their hands up. It kind of proves my point. There was one person over there, bless you for that. Interesting stat, 88% of people that have news resolutions fail them, and a, and a large percentage don't even start. It just, it, just ha- it just starts with a desire and an intent and nothing more. But here's the thing, and I know I'm just saying obvious things at this point, apologies, but a new beginning is marked by action, isn't it, right? Not just a desire to do something. You have to do something. What, where in the Bible do we have the greatest new beginning? Anyone want to guess? Genesis, thank you, Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created. Created, it's a doing word. Thank God it didn't say, in the beginning, God desired it. Chapter two. In the beginning, God was still desiring it. Chapter three, we've run out of things to say. No, I'm, I'm making a point, obviously. But a new beginning starts with action. So let me ask you another question again. What's your new beginning? In other words, what are you going to act on this morning? What's God prompting you to do? To change, not just any deed. Isn't it interesting here that Paul says, deeds prompted by faith. And that leads me on to the first part of the teaching. What does deeds prompted by faith actually mean? Here it is. Deeds prompted by faith is simply our faith evidenced by works. Our faith evidenced by works. James chapter 2 verse 17 says this. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Now let us not confuse this with salvation by works. Salvation by faith alone, but faith without works is dead. There is no faith. You know, 500, last year was the anniversary of the 500 years of the great Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther. And part of that was recapturing the sense of salvation by faith alone because what had seeped in in the Middle Ages was this notion that it is faith, uh, salvation by works. It is by faith alone, so don't confuse that. But what we are saying here and what James is saying here is that faith without works is dead. You know, we see this in Hebrew 11, that wonderful, wonderful, famous chapter about the heroes of the faith. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. What else? By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. 
even though he did not know where he was going. Action, action, action. In fact, there were 18 occurrences of action. By faith, they went. I'm laboring the point because I want you to understand that faith without works is dead. We are called, we are called to act. And so a good way of looking at, looking at this then is that Paul is saying, and he's talking about deeds prompted by our faith in him, they will come. We need to expect the prompting. A true faith in God, a prompting will come. And here's the next question I want to ask then. If that's what deeds of faith are then, an evidence, our faith evidenced by works, why are deeds of faith important, not just any deeds? Why did Paul, and this struck me, why didn't Paul say, I pray that all your good works would be great and come to fruition? He was focusing specifically on deeds prompted by faith. Why is that? Four things. Number one, deeds of faith move mountains. Deeds of faith move mountains. God is looking for a people, a life-changing, world-changing people that in the flesh might look unachievable, crazy even, but which God is saying, you can do in my name. We can only, <laughs> we can only fulfill the Great Commission, you know, Matthew 28, if we have deeds prompted by faith, otherwise we wouldn't do a thing. God is calling us to move mountains in his name. Deeds prompted by faith. Number two, for us to be worthy of our calling. That's what Paul says here. I pray that you will be worthy of your calling. It is our destiny to move in deeds prompted by faith. That is what we were created for. Thirdly, to demonstrate God's glory. Zechariah 4.6, as Chris looked at last week. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You see, deeds prompted by faith, when we move outside of ourselves and rely on him totally, demonstrate his glory. Demonstrate his glory. And lastly, and you might be surprised by this one, to enjoy him. What do I mean by that? Well, Paul says that, that um, Jesus will be glorified in us in him. You know, the Westminster... Um, confession of faith says what's the, the chief end of man and the answer is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever to glorify God and to enjoy him forever because here's the thing and I've experienced this in my life and I know you have too that we will only ever experience true peace true joy true satisfaction when we are moving in the will that he has for our life and when we glorify him it is when we are in him and we glorify him that we enjoy him and that we are at peace and at one. Because why? That is exactly what we were created to do. And if we do not glorify God, let me tell you, we glorify something else. We glorify something else. So that's why Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, to continue to grow in your faith. And I pray that your deeds prompted by faith will come to fruition for those four reasons. But here's the thing, isn't that easier said than done? I read this and thought, wow, yeah, okay, get that, but I don't always move in those deeds prompted by faith. I'm sure you all do, so I'm preaching to myself at this point. But here's the thing, joking aside, don't we often have deeds prompted by faith? We feel God calling us to do something and we shrink back, we, as we call it, lack faith. What stops us from moving in deeds prompted by faith? Here's the thing. And I want to touch on the relationship between uh, trust and faith. Because we cannot move in deeds prompted by faith if we don't truly trust in God. Is that true? You know, 
Living by faith as we follow God requires us to make decisions that in the, in the, in the natural seem risky, right? We've all been there. And there are no visible signs of guarantee other than, except that God is trustworthy. And so therefore, an absence of trust in God will therefore stop you moving and responding in faith, won't it? An absence of trust in God will stop you moving in faith. I've spoken to many people, and I'm the same, who profess a faith in God, and yet when God is calling them to do something that seems scary or risky, deprompted by faith, they shrink back. They lack faith. When at the heart of it, what it reveals is a lack of trust. You know, if you trust in your own finances, over and above the provision of God, then when God calls you to do something, prompted by faith, you'll be limited by your own money, not by his provision. If you trust in your own abilities, over and above what God says you can do in his name, then you will be limited by your own abilities, not by God. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, you've heard this many times from this pulpit. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he shall direct your ways. How? By deeds prompted by faith. That's how he directs us. You see, new beginnings come when we choose to trust in him for all things, right? When we position ourselves to lean on him. That is the definition of trust, what you lean on. Now, let, hear me right. I'm not saying that we shouldn't trust other people. We should. I trust my wife. I trust my friends. I obviously trust that I've got money in the bank, so when I use my debit card, I know it will work, right? I'm not saying trust in other things is wrong. What I'm saying is, where is your ultimate trust? What do you lean on? What is your go-to when God calls you? That's what I'm asking here. And, you know, it might be that you trust God for some things, but you don't trust him for other things. I've seen that in my life. God can call me in one area, I trust God for that. But in this area, oh, don't touch that, Lord, sorry. I don't truly trust you. But God this morning is saying to each one of us, trust in me for all things. Lean on me in every area of your life. Do you trust him this morning? Maybe right now the Holy Spirit is revealing something in your heart, an area in your life that you know you don't tr truly trust in God. How do you respond? Lord, forgive me. I trust in you. I make a choice. Matthew 6, 25, 26. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you much more valuable than they? Trust in me. Deuteronomy 13, six, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified for the Lord your God goes with you. Do not be afraid. He will never leave you or forsake you. Trust in me. Philippians 4.13, you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Trust in me. And for some of us, God is calling you for new beginnings. In fact, you might be crying out for a new beginning. And you feel these deeds prompted by faith and yet you're shrinking back. God is saying, trust in me. I have something so great, so wonderful 
for you specifically, but trust in me. And I want to end and just look at uh, how we can trust in God because we need to respond to this word. Let's not just intellectually agree to it and then walk out and find that we're back where we were before. That would be worth a worthless amount of time, wouldn't it? So I want to look at five things on how we can grow in faith or how we can trust in him. You know, um, Paul commended them, didn't, didn't he, um, for growing in faith? We need to grow in faith. Number one, his word. Romans 10:17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. You see, when you read about God, about what he says about himself, or let, let's be more specific, the, word, the Greek word for uh, hearing in Romans 10, 17 is rima, a spoken word. Now us charismatics love that because we use that to demonstrate that God speaks fresh stuff to us now, which he does, but here's the thing, the rima word is also when we read this word because the Holy Spirit makes it alive to our hearts. That's how you get many people reading the word and it doesn't do anything. Otherwise you say, but hold on, I thought faith comes from hearing the word. It comes when the Holy Spirit breathes it into you. What does that mean? When you spend time and say, Lord, would you minister this word to me? When you come with expectancy, Lord, what have you got for me in this word? It's not just reading a verse, digesting it and running out the door. It's about hearing. It's about taking the time to listen, to position our hearts to receive. So we need to spend time in his word. We discover who he is, and then we see God aright in our relationship with him, us as the created and he as the creator. The giver and sustainer of all life. We can see therefore that we can trust in a holy, magnificent, omniscient, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-wonderful, glorious, trustworthy, supreme God who loves you for who you are and has got a plan for your life. If you lack that trust and you need to know what God's got to say about you, get in his word. The modern church has lost it. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the body of believers. The danger is we, 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 we get so distracted with so much stuff going on in our world and our lives. And boy, it's a distraction time that we live in with so much technology. I'm not against technology. Don't get me wrong. But we live in a snack culture where we get distracted. We have, our attention span is kind of reduced to a few seconds before we out of habit bring our phone out and check a Facebook post or whatever it might be. And then before we know it, we, we're not doing that which we would wanted to do. This is not a rant. It's a social commentary on life. But you get my heart, don't you? Please, I hope. Facebook's not bad. His words, number two. Our testimony and the testimony of others. God's faithfulness in the past gives us faith for the future. You've heard that from Chris many times. When we recall what God has done in the past in our lives and the lives of our friends and family, what happens? Faith builds, we trust God. This is what the Israelites did. In fact, they, they built it into the fabric of their culture. Their festivals were all around remembering what God had done for them. We need to recapture that, I think. Take time to recall what God's done for you because that builds faith. Third thing, making a choice to put our trust in him. It's a question of will. The enemy, the flesh, and the world, you've heard often about those three things, will try and get you trusting in other things other than God. You know, you've heard it said that the opposite of, 
of faith is fear. Why? Here's the thing, listen. Whatever you put your trust in other than God will ultimately lead to fear. It will put you in bondage. If you trust in your own finance, in your own money, and not what God's provision, then ultimately that will put you in bondage and you'll be fearful. It's true. It's true. I'm not saying make silly decisions about finances. I'm just saying where your trust lies. And fourthly, prayer. Paul says, I am praying for you. You need to pray, Lord, help me trust you and you alone. Forgive me, Lord. Where I've trusted in other things, where I have not listened to you, where I have not accepted the truth that you are king and sovereign and Lord, and that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, that I'm more of a conqueror in Christ Jesus, that when I am weak, I am strong. Forgive me, Lord. Help me to, to lead that life and pray for others. Lord, would you, I pray for my, my partner, my friends, my family. I pray for this church, Lord, that we would be a church that trusts in you for all things. That, Lord, we would be a church of new beginnings. That we'd be a church that changes and grows in you. That we'd be a church of action, not just of desire. That we'd be a church that makes Christ known. Amen. Prayer. And it's, as, a, as the old rabbi said, prayer is heart work. It's hard work to pray. The flesh doesn't want to do it. But let's make time. And that leads me on to the fifth point. Spending time in his presence. You know Psalm 46 verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. I'd like to invite the band up now. Be still and know that I am God. Because when you're in his presence, those fears melt away. When we are in his presence, we feel his touch. We feel his love. We feel the warmth of his son on us, literally. You know, we're called to worship him in spirit and in truth, John 4, 24. When we worship him, when we spend time in his, uh, in his presence, what happens? Truth comes. So there you go. There's some things for you to go away. And I hope action, his word, our testimony, the testimony of others, making a choice to put our trust in him, prayer, and spending time in his presence. So having said all of that stuff, having established that we are a people of change and new beginnings, having established what we mean by deeds prompted by faith, that, that indeed they will come as we have faith in God. We are to expect them. Having established that they are important and having established that oftentimes what stops us from moving in faith is our lack of trust in him, let me ask you the question that I posed at the start of this talk. What is your new beginning this morning? What is your new beginning this morning? Because God has got something for every one of you. And I suspect there might be more than one or two of you sitting there thinking, God doesn't have something for me. I just... Break the lie of the enemy over you in Jesus' name. Show me somewhere in the Bible that tells me and tells you that God hasn't got a plan for you. And I'll show you 10 instances where it says he does. Show me where it says that God has forgotten you. And I'll show you 10 instances where it says he will never forsake you or leave you. In fact, he's counted the very hairs on your head. Can you stand? You know, I, I feel prompted just to move in a bit of time of, of, of ministry. We've got some time on our hands, a little bit. 
So let me just invite the Holy Spirit to come now. Come, Lord, come. You're calling your people, Lord. Thank you. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Bless you, King. Bless you, King. For all of you that are feeling a call to new beginnings or indeed who want a call to a new beginning, I'd like to raise your hand right now. Wow, look at all those hands. Bless you. Don't worry about other people. If you're looking for a new beginning, if you feel that, those deeds prompted by faith, just respond now. Put your hand up. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy. Wonderful. Come, Holy Spirit. Come now. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Now, for those of you who haven't put your hand up, look around. If there's someone near you that's got their hands up, I want you to turn around and I want you to lay your hands on them. Just pray a blessing on them. Say, Lord, would you just bless this person? Would that deepest desire of goodness come to fruition? Would you give them the faith, the trust to move in it? Lord, I pray that that thing that is blocking them would be removed in Jesus' name. These people will be marked by action, not by just desire. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Come right now. Come, Lord. There's some people over here who've got their hands up who aren't being prayed for. If you're around them, can you just put your hand on their shoulder? Bless you. Thank you. A couple of ladies at the front here. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> on the balcony, bless you. There's a chap at the front there in the balcony. If you're on the balcony and you're not praying for someone, I'm not asking you to do something crazy. Actually, this is a deeds prompted by faith. Just place your hand on them and pray. Can we get someone up there at the front for that chap there? Thank you. <clears throat> come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. All the regret, all the guilt, all the shame, I wash off you in Jesus' name. That's holding you back. And we've got two, two ladies at the front over here. Can we get a couple people to pray? If you're not praying, thank you. Come, Lord. For you, this might be a deep prompted by faith. Even if someone's praying for someone and you feel prompted to go and pray, then go and pray. Go on. <laughs> this might be your very new beginning to pray for someone. Don't miss the opportunity. Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. At this point, let me just say, if, if you've got children and you're not, um, you're not doing anything at this point, feel free to go and collect your kids. Bless you. Come, Lord. Pour out your Spirit amongst your people, Lord. Pour out your Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Deeds prompted by faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And for some of you, as I've been speaking, what the Holy Spirit has revealed is an area that you uh, lack trust. And let me just pray for you now. You can simply put your, as a, as a symbol of saying, yes, that's me, Lord. Put your hand on your heart as I pray. And let me pray for you now. If, you're, if God has revealed an area that you lack trust in, 
and you want to respond to that, put your hand on your heart and I'm going to pray right now the Holy Spirit would come and help you with that. Come, Lord. Lord, for those people that have responded to this word. Lord, Holy Spirit, that you've revealed an area where they lack trust in you and that they're leaning on someone else. I pray right now, Lord, for your spirit to breathe on them. Remove that blockage, Lord. Show yourself to be true. Show yourself to be true, Lord, to their hearts right now. Come, Lord. Help them get into your word and to hear your voice. Help them, Lord, to recall the wonderful testimonies right now. I pray you bring to remembrance those times in their lives that you have come good for them, Lord, that you have shown yourself to be faithful and true. Lord, would you help them to make a choice to put their trust in you, knowing that as they make the first step, as it says in James, as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And lastly, Lord, would you help them, help them pray, 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 pray without ceasing as the apostles call us to do. Let us recapture what it means to pray, for we have lost it, Lord. I fear we have lost it. Help us, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. And lastly, these people that respond, Lord, help them to spend time in your presence, not rushing away, but to be still and know that you are their God. Come, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Thank you for the work you're doing in this place. Thank you that you are a God of change, that healthy things grow. Bless you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, King. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your holy name. For some of you, maybe you've yet to put that first trust in Him. That you're, you feel as if you're watching from the outside. That you've yet to say yes to Jesus. Jesus is saying, trust in me for what your very being, your very soul, for your very life. For I died on the cross for you. That your sins that you recognize will be wiped away. That in my presence, I see you as holy because the righteousness of Christ has been given to you. If that is you and you wanna respond, then at the end of the service, my right, your left, the ministry team will be there to pray with you. Um, also before the, the, the service, as you guys know, the prayer team um, meet and they've got these words of knowledge. Uh, problem with someone's right eye, if that's you, get prayer. <laughs> someone's got back problems, that's me, I'll get prayer. Uh, someone um, with the right foot problem, get prayer. Someone might have mouth ulcers, if that's you, get prayer. Uh, a man with Parkinson's disease, get prayer. Someone with growth under their tongue, someone with chronic insomnia, someone with the pain in the left elbow and forearm, someone with difficulty swallowing, deafness in right ear, and a right jaw issue. If any of those, and some of those are very specific, if that is you, then I would encourage you to get prayer, my right, your left, the, the ministry team of moving as I speak. Given the time, I'm going to pray a blessing upon us all. But here's the thing, don't feel that you need to rush away. I'd like us just to be mindful of the work the Lord's doing. And so when the service ends, let's not all go into some raucous uh, conversation. Just be mindful of what God's doing around you. And let's just keep this, uh, this time. Let me just pray a blessing. 
May the Lord of hosts, may the God that loves you bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious towards you. May the Lord who is gracious turn His face towards you and give you His peace now and for always. In His name, Amen. Bless you, bless you. Have a wonderful week and see you next.